1: Hello, I'm Jason Cowley, editor of The New Statesman, and welcome to this podcast special on a Friday afternoon on Scotland and Scottish politics. I have with me today Gerry Hassan, our good friend, writer, academic, public intellectual. Gerry, Cameron and Sturgeon met today to discuss um, more devolution that had been promised to Scotland. What is it you think that Sturgeon and the SNP want? And what can Cameron realistically deliver? Mm-hmm. Well, it's fascinating this there's an element um of obviously Cameron used
0: incendiary um kind of union anti-unionist language really in the general election, used the SNP as a kind of Trojan horse to to undermine the Labour Party in Scotland and and in England. But see, underneath that there is there is a there is a common set of um interests here that Cameron clearly wants the union to continue, of course. And Nicola Sturgeon doesn't want an independence referendum anytime soon, and she doesn't want full fiscal um, autonomy or responsibility. And what the SNP want is they, they they want they want a kind of some pound of flesh here. And really, in a way, they 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 had they had a kind of uh, a pseudo uh, disagreement with the Smith Commission, the SNP, but because there was various kind of a. Uh, Technicalities in it, but what they would like is more welfare policy devolved, lack of a Westminster veto on some of the some of the, the, the areas that are um, going to be devolved, and and really in a way I think Sturgeon the SNP leadership would like to present uh, Smith and indeed, Calman, as before, go beyond those and try and tell a story of self-government, because both Calman and Smith, there's this technocratic story of giving powers to Scotland, and nobody beyond the the most minutiae of cognoscenti in Scotland, the political class, really follows it, or can explain it, which has been one of the downfalls of unionism so far, being reactive, and then what on earth does it mean, apart from if you're in the bubble? There really needs to be a convincing story on both both sides, with both a a pro-union and a uh, pro-nationalist.
1: when you say that um the SNP don't want full fiscal autonomy, I heard some whisperings when I went to Westminster this week from some Tories that actually they wouldn't mind offering that to the SNP. It may it may well suit David Cameron. Why, what, first, why don't the um, SNP want full fiscal autonomy?
0: Well, one of the issues about full fiscal autonomy is there's the issue about the nature of the structural deficit in Scotland. And obviously the UK has a structural deficit at the moment as well. But it's the issue of how much there's cross subsidies between Scotland and our UK. At the moment, the Institute for Fiscal Studies figures in the election said 7.6 billion. You have to go through a series of transitions to, to, to make full fiscal right. um, autonomy possible otherwise you engage in some kind of polish shock therapy yeah, because
1: of the barnet formula because of the yeah oil revenues
0: yeah and, and and because of all kinds of things that need there's all kind of fiscal transfers that happen in in the uk and and some are, re, are even invisibles and and public spending needs to be territorial uh a sign that you're not quite sure where it is and that would take time. So famously, people have joked about the SNP that uh, from the referendum, it was like 16, 18 months to independence, but full fiscal autonomy. That's like
1: a five-year project. <laughs> and, you know, uh, like all good japes, it's, it's got a point to it. There were some also some whisperings from the SNP side that they may um, hold another referendum, a kind of unilateral referendum, this time without um, agreement with, with, with the rest of the United Kingdom. What are you picking up on that? Just Not just posturing.
0: Yes, posturing. There's going to be an awful lot of posturing. You've got um a huge SNP group of fifty six, which is, is going to involve a lot of posturing and a lot of uh, you know, putting its feathers out and behaving uh, like peacocks and, and asserting that it's here. Um there won't be an independence referendum for a good few years. I don't think there will be an independence refer I think it's safe to say, I mean again, hedging my bets, in this Westminster Parliament. The criterion for um or independence Not even
1: if the um, the SNP win a landslide in 2016 in the Scottish election. Well, the only, the only you that be in the well, manifesto. Well, but,
0: but the only circumstance that comes after 20, well, 2016 manifesto commitment is in the event of the United Kingdom uh, coming out of the European Union in in a 2016 2017 referendum. Yeah. That allows that's the material circumstance of change. My assessment at the moment, given public opinion is so soft, um, both both for coming out and staying in. Is that, that referendum will, will not result in a in a Eurosceptic majority and therefore I you agree. don't have the conditions between twenty fifteen and twenty twenty. So you realistically need to wait to twenty twenty. And the SNP will only go when they know the circumstances have changed that give them a majority. It's a short campaign, they start well ahead. They never start 30%, 70 and forty percent behind, thirty percent behind. It's a short campaign. The consensus then is already for independence. So it's almost votes. like that
1: they're a bee with one more sting and they will only sting when they when they have to, when they feel they can win it. That's right. The Scottish independence referendum, along with the Quebec referendum, are the exceptions in the world
0: of referendums. All other referendums you go to, whether it's Iceland and Norway, which are comparable, or even South Sudan, they always happen when there's a pre-existing consensus. You end up with 99% votes that are not Saddam Hussein like votes or North Korean. <laughs> they're when Everyone agrees, and it's just formalising that. The Scottish one was an exception yes. and thus you end up with this
1: 45-55. The next one, if there is one, will not be anything like that. We should obviously touch on uh, the um, the collapse of Labour mm. in Scotland. I mean, it's a catastrophe for the party. Mm. Yeah, we all saw it coming. It's, it's been a long time in the making. You're the author of the strange death of. Um, Scottish Labour, can mm. the corpse rise, Gerry, or is it, is it dead? Is well, the party truly well, it's, dead? Well, it's
0: not completely dead yet. I always described it in this transition of the, when the SNP won in 2007 as undead, not alive, not dead. It still won 707,000 votes. That's a fairly, fairly large part of Scotland, 24% of the vote. But on the other hand, it's the lowest vote they've ever had since 1918, mm. since it began as, as a national uh, party. Political parties don't have an innate right to be there. Uh, so I think there is a chance that this party could die, or it's going to face a long period in the wilderness. I think you would write off 2016. 2016 is just keeping the show, of not on the road, but uh, some presence. Um, there is a constituency in Scotland for an anti-SNP um, party, for a pro-union party, and, and for a radical party versus Labour, Labour and SNP. And that that doesn't have to come from from the Labour Party. Is there
1: from from the left in a way a third party? So you obviously there's the Greens and they're, the, the, they're pro independent. They're already quite strong in Scotland and they're well led by Patrick Harvey. But you're saying there could be space for e- e- another party of well, the well, left. Well, well there's, there's
0: space there's space for a party of the centre left. Given given Labour were never really a complete party of the centre left in Scotland. They were a party of. They were a big tent party. They were a party of political establishments, elites, uh, radicals, social conservatives. Funnily enough, the SNP are rather the same. Both talk in the centre-left language, but they're not really completely anchored on the left. So there is a sp- amount of room on the centre-left for the Greens, maybe maybe this new left party that, that may emerge. There's also a room for a kind of anti-statist, more more uh, wealth creation, um, pro-union party. And if the Tories could get past the the prior status they have, um,
1: swallow up the Liberal Democrats, um, and maybe take some, can of they? Though I mean, they've got a good leader at the moment. She's she's she's, she's tough and fluent with Davidson, and an unashamed um, unionist. But would they have to change their name? Would the Tories have to be renamed in yes. in Scotland to become something else altogether? Yes, go back to... and then affiliated to the Southern Party. May, maybe you know
0: they used to be they used to be progressives in local government. They were called they were the Scottish Unionist Party until yes. 1965. And really, practically like ex-communists around the world, they have to they have to practically re, reformulate themselves. And and Ruth Davidson's fought, um I think, a stellar campaign. Um, and she's she's the embodiment of a modern Scottish Toryism. But but the party isn't. And people listen to it through the prism of Thatcher and all that, and various you know poll tax, Ravenscraig, etc. So people, when she speaks and she says very modern things, people still hear it through that, or just don't hear it.
1: Yes. I mean, you and I have spoke before the election about a moment of opportunity, a reconfiguration of, of, of the union. Um, you said to me that many Scots don't want to give up on a sense of Britishness unless they absolutely have to. You, you voted yes, but you're, you're someone also possibly in favour of uh, federalism, neo-federalism. Is it possible, has a Tory majority closed this moment down or is it still very much there? I, I'm not sure at the moment. I, th- I think we're in a speeded-up
0: situation that isn't quite an end game yet because the SNP got the independence referendum before they, before they wanted, before yeah. they prepared, before they even thought what independence was, and then it was a catch up. Then there was always the possibility, high, highly likely scenario, that Scotland would never put up again with a majority Tory government. They didn't vote for fourteen point nine percent and one one MP. It, of course, first pass the post hugely crystallises. If you had PR, the dynamics would be fundamentally different. I'm not sure we're in we're in that game yet because because there's still an awful lot of fluidity, and I think there's there's still some there 's still some potential for the union there 's still a window of opportunity just for the for the union to reinvent itself, but it is getting narrower by the and that has to be something that isn 't just a constitutional settlement it has to be about the economic and social imbalances in the united Kingdom the fact that everyone gets done in basically in the united Kingdom apart from the you know, the, the the wealthy and the connected of London and and the southeast and the kind of state that the British state is that would have to be something that was. Although, although just to correct
1: you there, you, you I mean, London is um, often is caricatured. Of course, of course, I was summarising. Out know. from Scotland, I mean, London, London's a Labour city, Jerry. No, I know, it's, I know, no, I know. It, it, it votes. Against the Conservative Party, and London's full of poverty as well. I know, Massive I know the, poverty. I know,
0: I know, the complexities of London in terms of how I was summarising it. I knew that as I was saying it, I was talking about the, the certain, you know, powerhouse. The city, of, the
1: city of London, you know, isn't isn't the London I know. No, Lon- I know. The London I know is a network of in- interconnecting villages. It's not the London I know. No. either, but you know. <laughs> anyway, we're part London because we're talking, we're talking about Scotland. But what you know, what I'm interested in is could it, could the irony be that Cameron, because he's pragmatic could deliver the settlement that holds the united kingdom together could it could it happen
0: you know, it's, it's just, just possible. And in, in the last 15 uh, odd years, my, my sense has always been this paradox. Labour legislated for the Scottish Parliament um, and so they thought it was theirs, both in Scotland and, and in England, in Britain. In Britain it was more like job done, let's forget about it. But actually the people with the organic patchwork understanding of the United Kingdom have historically been Tories, if you take Thatcher out. And and in that statecraft, because the Tories are brilliant at statecraft, look at the confidence since they won the unexpected majority Last week, that there is the possibility they could remake a version of the United Kingdom, and they will do something with the Nationalists. It's just that a that version of British unionism and English unionism is declining by the year, mm. and the Nationalists, who previously until two thousand eleven would have done a you know, quite quite gracious compact and compromise. They've now got the idea of independence and the political win behind their sails. So who knows?
1: Who knows? Well, it's a very exciting moment. I was uh, popped into Westminster on Tuesday and the first person I bumped into was Alex Salmon, of course, who seemed in um, very good form. But it's it's great, I think, in some ways to have so many SNP MPs at, at Westminster. It makes for a, an interesting dynamic. Um, thanks again, Jerry, for popping in. Whenever you're in London, do I know? I know... The London that you like, not the bad London. Do, do come in and see us. Thank you. And thank you for listening.
0: You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast, produced by Anna Leskovitz. You can find us every week at newstatesman.com forward slash podcast or on iTunes. Our theme music is Devil With The Devil by The Underscore Orchestra, licensed under Creative Commons.